This special coverage of NTCA's Our Time event is sponsored by Corning, the leading innovator with expertise in glass science, ceramic science, and optical physics. Providing fiber optic cable and network equipment, Corning is helping connect rural America with reliable broadband. Learn more at www.corning.com FTTH. And thank you for tuning in to this special edition of Rural Broadband Today. As we bring you coverage of our time, the annual meeting and expo of NTCA, the Rural Broadband Association. In this installment of our series, we talk to Josh Seideman, NTCA's Vice President of Policy. Josh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Now, in addition to your focus on federal regulatory issues and the like, you also support research initiatives and programming for the Smart Rural Community Program. Let's start out by um, sharing with our listeners, giving them some background about the program. What uh, challenges did Smart Rural Community set out to solve, and how has that program evolved to meet that challenge? So, yeah, great question, Steve. Uh, I don't know that the Smart Rural Community Program actually set out to solve a problem per se. I I think it emerged to meet an opportunity we had been having a lot of discussions internally and with other partners and people from the technology industry about all the work that was being done in smart cities. And we began to develop this this impression that a lot of people thought that when you leave the city um, and you're just going to get into out into a small town with dirt roads and no technology. Uh, but we knew what our members had been doing. You know, NTC members serve about 37 percent of the land mass of the U.S., but only about 5% of the population. So you're talking service areas where the population density is about maybe 5 to 10 people per square mile. And despite that, uh, you know, just kind of like updating to the latest survey information that we have from October 2020, uh, you know, we've got more than 97% of our members who have fiber deployed in their networks and nearly 70%, and I say that it's actually 69.9% of our members' locations have fiber right to them. And 60% of those customers can get speeds of 100 megabits or higher. So this notion that it's only smart cities begins to evaporate. So we started talking about smart rural communities and really taking a look at how we could highlight and elevate all that was going on in rural America in these communities. And it, it, the more we studied, the more we started to dig into this program, we found that it wasn't just about the network, but in all of these communities uh, where our companies, our members are, they're not just service providers, they're solution providers. They had been working with their educational institutions and their healthcare institutions and public safety and economic development to identify and deploy broadband-enabled solutions to improve all those services. And this is years before, years before the imperative of doing these things to meet the COVID challenge had emerged. I mean, COVID is 12 months old, but this is something that we started working on eight years ago, and we saw that these pieces were in place. Well, the the recent Our Time event recognized four providers as Smart Rural Community Showcase winners. What does it take to be a showcase winner, Josh? You know, so the showcase winners are those companies that really exemplify 
the hallmarks of what we consider to be the elemental uh, aspects of the Smart Rural Community Program. And it really rests on collaboration. It's a sometimes a terribly overused word these days, uh, but I think it, it really gets the heart of what Smart Rural Community is all about. It is the it's the local rural broadband provider working with other local leadership to use that resource, that technology, that broadband to improve conditions in the rural community. And we know that we have companies doing this and we get applications in and we have the stories and the accounts of what they're doing. Uh, that showcase award really means that uh, that company is, it's the MVP the most valuable player in the field that's really demonstrating the paradigm examples of what this collaboration can develop and bring to the table. Well, let's jump right in and take a look at each of this year's winners. And you had four of those. And I think the first one is a, is a great example of that collaboration that you're talking about. Hill Country Telephone Cooperative is located in Junction, Texas. And they played an important role in turning around an underperforming school district in their service area. Tell us about that story. This is not a unique situation. We see this in many, many places. And we've actually, the Smart Rural Community, in addition to the awards that we mentioned, the Showcase Awards and the other programming, we've, we've published over the years a series of academic papers. And one of the papers that we did over the last couple of years addressed the need to upgrade and update our curricula in rural areas to meet the next generation of American jobs. It's not an unusual situation in many communities where financial opportunity and wealth development can be constrained by those very factors. And what that means is that I have a student who lacks the financial resources to pursue post-secondary education that will give that individual the tools necessary to seek and to hold a job that demands a higher level of education. So what we have is this cycle where uh, I can't afford the educational opportunity, and then I'm kind of locked out of getting that higher paid job. And that cycle gets perpetuated. Now, I say that, and it's, it's qualified by, by, the, by the recognition that we're really blessed in this nation to have a robust system of state land grant universities and in so many areas, really an exemplary commitment of community colleges. But affordability and, and that opportunity may still be out of reach for some. So that's what Hill Country saw. Uh, advanced education opportunities were just beyond the reach of some of their graduating seniors. And they told us in their application they had heartbreaking stories of, of watching top students trade an opportunity for continuing education. And they were just... They just felt that they were being directed in, due to a lack of resources and opportunities, into lower paying, lower skilled jobs in, in, the, in the community. And it just, it, again, perpetuates that financial hardship. So what they did is they teamed up with the Texas Education Agency. And they agreed upon a program which was actually an expansion of an existing dual credit system that was in place that enabled high school students to earn college credits. The difference is that those courses 
had historically been reserved for accelerated or highly motivated students. But what they did now was called PTEC, Pathways in Technology for Early College High School. And this was designed for regular students. So you didn't have to be the super genius to take advantage. But you had regular students of regular abilities, typical abilities, who could earn associate degrees credits or industry certification or to complete work-based work training and stackable credits while they were earning their high school diploma. And it contemplates four different academic tracks, animal science, ag tech, engineering, cybersecurity, and also health science. And what this all does is it reflects these trends toward an increasing number of what we call middle skill jobs and STEM jobs, uh, advanced manufacturing. And that really it begins to turn the tide and adjusts the curriculum to really get students ready to get that best foot forward to meet the, the next generation of jobs that are on the horizon. Uh, that is a great program there. And um, Hill Country was recognized uh, for um, their efforts also during the pandemic, which, of course, ties in uh, very closely with education and the work they did during the pandemic. They received special recognition from the FCC. Uh, tell our listeners about that uh, recognition. So uh, it was, I guess, three or four months into the national emergency, the FCC announced that they were going to award what they called a doer award to companies that would really show the, you know, really exhibited how much broadband could do and change for their communities and companies that uh, had taken, you know, great steps forward. 11 broadband providers were recognized and five of them were actually rural broadband companies, uh, mm-hmm. members of NTCA. And uh, five of those companies were, and of those five rural companies, four of them were members and enrolled in the Smart Rural Community Program. Mm. And what Hill, Hill Country did is they really focused again on education. So they identified students and teachers that weren't connected at home, and they got them connected. In many instances, they comped the broadband service through the end of the school year to make sure that everyone could stay online. And recognizing the fact that now you've got students learning at home and parents working from home, they increased, again, at no charge for the duration of the school year, they increased the broadband capacity and service going into those homes. Well, let's move across uh, a few states to the east, to West Liberty, Kentucky, uh, where Mountain Rule Telephone Cooperative is located. They were another showcase winner. What makes Mountain Rule Telephone a smart rural community? Mountain Rural is in is a Mountain Telephone is in rural Kentucky. Uh, it's in Appalachia. This is a region of, of natural beauty. Um, it is also a region that is marked by perseverance of its citizens and grit, and to some uh, to some challenging extent, changing economic conditions that have really exacerbated some longstanding economic challenges. Uh, despite this, Mountain Telephone, which really serves a small community of just several thousand people, has deployed gigabit fiber broadband service. And in one of their service areas, they've got a community that has but 686 people. Really, it's a population of under 700 people. And their service supports a manufacturer that employs more than 10% of that community. And that manufacturer depends upon the broadband that Mountain Telephone deployed in very challenging terrain, 
Sometimes you've got soft earth, you can just bore a tunnel underneath and get that fiber through a conduit. Sometimes you've got some nice flat prairie land and you can put up a few poles and get that aerial, aerial facility deployed. Uh, but in mountainous, difficult, rocky terrain, it, it, it's much more challenging. And yet they did that. They got that network out there. Uh, and it wasn't just getting the network out there and supporting industry. It was also, like we said again, it's, you know, it's this notion of collaboration. How do you work with your businesses and become a solutions provider? There is a tourist attraction in Mountain Telephone Service Area that is located in an old limestone quarry. And those mining tunnels have been flooded. And what the operator does is it will take tourists on guided boat tours through this network of, of caves, really, and quarries. Uh, but that requires a very sophisticated security system, number one, to monitor conditions in those tunnels uh, for the safety of both the invited guests and also, uh, you know, to uh, make sure that the prospect of uninvited guests uh, can also be protected against. Uh, but that, again, that spoke to us in terms of, you know, innovative thinking and development of solutions based on the broadband. And that's really what uh, elevated those those efforts, elevated mountains application. Well, community-based broadband providers, of course, are known for their support of local schools and mountain telephone had a project that was bringing connectivity and also safety to the schools in the area. Tell our listeners about that. We talk about broadband supporting education and certainly we saw that with uh, Hill country in Texas in terms of the curriculum. Uh, but safety is also very important in schools. And what mountain did is it worked with four, four different school districts and deployed a 10 gigabit wide area network system that connects those schools to the public safety center. And you know, God forbid there should be an emergency, the dispatch center would be connected immediately with all the pertinent information. Now in a big city with the everyone congregating close together, you can get the police and first responders over to a school pretty quickly. But when you're in a more dispersed area, that connectivity to get to the, uh, the public safety answering point, the PSAP, with all the relevant information, and get that information to the first responders is critically important. And I know, you know we hear about school emergencies, and we think about, sometimes people think of you know, terrible situations, but this is just, uh, this can be important on an athletic field. If you have a student athlete who gets injured, um, and then really in what is just an ordinary occurrence, you know, in so many places. So, but you know, you've got the medical and emergency responders connected instantly, and everything can move as expeditiously as possible to maintain the health and safety of the students. Well, Josh, another smart rural community showcase winner was Lightstream, located in Buffalo, Indiana. What are some of this rural company's accomplishments? Their telehealth work was really just uh, no pun intended, off the charts. Uh, we have been we've been talking about telehealth with smart rural community for a while. I think it was uh, about three four years ago, we did a deep dive into telehealth and published a paper that demonstrated the economic returns of deploying rural telehealth. And you know, we all know it makes sense to get people connected to their doctors. And oh boy, I don't have to drive an hour to the hospital, and I can see my doctor from my living room, and I don't have to take a day off from work. And what we did in that paper that's available online is we uh, quantified, well, how much 
do those facilities save per year in terms of lost wages that someone didn't have to take that day off from work? Um, so we had the numbers to go with it, and we knew what the the healthcare outcomes were. And certainly over the last 12 months, we've seen an explosion in telehealth. Uh, in April 2018, only 18% of U.S. doctors were using telehealth. And two years later, in April 2020, uh, that number had rocketed to 50% of physicians using telehealth. Uh, we see similar achievements arising out of data that was provided by the U.S. Health and Human Services Department. Uh, in 2020, 47.5% of all primary Medicare visits were made using telehealth. And if you go back a couple of years, uh, less than 1% of those same visits were made using telehealth. And this really speaks to a recognition of the federal government of how important telehealth is. At the beginning of uh, this year, when COVID hit, the Health and Human Services Department added 135 services to their list of telehealth eligible services. So when we take a look at smart rural community and companies like Lightstream, we really see that they were ahead of the curve. Uh, what Lightstream has been doing for several years, building out a network, is they have enabled their regional hospitals to do uh, things, administrative things, uh, moving secure medical electronic health records to the cloud, which means that no matter where I am in the system, my medical records are available. But they've also supported the deployment of local clinics within their communities. And what that means is that if my major healthcare hospital is an hour away, I need only travel maybe 20 minutes downtown and go to a clinic. And I can be seen at that clinic by a nurse or maybe a, a PA. My records are accessible through that cloud-based technology and through a robust fiber broadband platform, I can engage in a smooth video interaction with a physician. Again, sometimes the problem can be solved right there and the prescription can be made. And it's possible that the doctor might say, you know, something we need to see you come on down to the hospital. Uh, but this really opens up an opportunity where more people will take advantage of preventative and monitoring of, of chronic conditions because healthcare is suddenly now far more accessible than it was in the than it was in the past. Well, in addition to the great work that they were doing in uh, healthcare, supporting that Lightstream has also connected its town park with Wi-Fi, and uh, there are some interesting benefits uh, that that has brought to the community. Share some of those. Yeah. Uh it's funny where I think over the last 12 months, we've all become quite accustomed to hunkering down at home. And I think we're all, you know, we're, we're going to start getting away from that as, uh, as the vaccines kick in and mm -hmm. certainly as the weather warms up. Uh, but what Lightstream did is it, you know, it, it started, I think, with their public library. And we know that libraries and, and communities can be such a focal point of activity. They can draw uh, young children for reading hours and high school students who, study or at least tell us that they're going to the library to study um, mm -hmm. activities and events and programming for older adults in the community. So Lightstream connected the interior of the library with all the broadband they need to power all the educational and the library related uh, activities. But they also configured the system that it, it provides 
free Wi-Fi outside the library and in the community park. And that's a way to encourage people to spend time in the park together. Uh, it is a way to provide a backbone for events, concerts and fairs and such that might take place in those community parks. And I think what we will also see, you know, we've learned so much about telework over the last 12 months. And imagine the opportunities as the weather warms. But I know we're looking out the window right now and it's winter outside. But imagine the opportunities now as people begin to telework and there's Wi-Fi available in a public park and there are vendors and restaurants and coffee stands and food trucks where a person can say, you know something, I'm going to, going to do my telework at the park today. And I'll take that opportunity, take advantage of the Wi-Fi. And I'm outside at the park, and now there's an opportunity for a local food vendor to enjoy a little bit more business because people can now work outside at the park and stop off and pick up a drink or a sandwich for lunch. So it's a way of connecting these dots of community interaction and economic development and really, again, rebuilding what we call this proverbial town square of activity all through broadband. Well, that sounds like a wonderful option to sitting in a, a, an office or a home office all day behind a computer. Yes. So, uh, Josh, the final uh, Smart Rural Community Showcase winner for us to talk about of, of 2021 is Jefferson Telecom of Fort Madison, Iowa. How did their fiber network and redundancy support a project that helped bring a new high school and a, and a regional career academy to the area well we we talked talked a little bit earlier in our conversation about uh middle school jobs and the increasing role of technology in manufacturing and even if we just break it down to its most uh most basic elemental perspective the consumer goods that we're using are becoming more and more complicated which means that the manufacturer and the maintenance and the repair of those goods becomes more complicated as well. And what this begins to roll into is something that we call advanced manufacturing. And what Jefferson did, uh, it helped support working with the schools. It created a, uh, there's a new program, a new high school and a regional academy that offers community college level courses in advanced manufacturing in agricultural technology and healthcare. And what this does is it enables students enrolled within these systems to obtain a two-year degree, really what we call an associate's degree, or to earn what we call stackable credits that can be transferred to a four-year institution that opens up so many opportunities for the students. Uh, and again, by connecting these institutions with broadband, by enabling the students to take advantage of, of coursework and materials and professors and instructors that they might not have had access to before in a small community because of the economies of scale just aren't there to support it. But when you can aggregate all that information, all that teaching experience, all those resources through broadband and bring these students together, you've suddenly opened up a, really a wealth of opportunities uh, for the student body. Well, Jefferson Telecom's fiber really brought Silicon Valley leaders to Iowa for an impressive program that they called R3. Uh, what did what did that R3 program involve? So R3, um, R3 stands for Revive, Rebuild, 
and restore. And like you said, it brought Silicon Valley leadership into uh, into the community for this conference and this program. You know, we always speak about telecom and broadband as breaking the barriers of distance. And, you know, we've certainly seen it over the last 12 months as you know, we've, we've learned a new definition of distance and social distance. Um, there's no doubt that students belong in school you know, for all of the social reasons and social interactions and athletics and extracurriculars. It's so important for the students to be in school. Right. Uh, there's no doubt that we gain so much by working with our colleagues in the office on a regular basis. I'm not saying that, not telling anyone, go back to, go back to work five days a week. Maybe tell a few a couple of days a week. We have to see our colleagues. We have to interact. We have to, you know, be working together in those office environments, and that's what sparks development, new ideas. Uh, but there's also no doubt that we've really seen, you know, over the years in our smart rural communities, and certainly in the last 12 months, I think there's been a more visceral recognition of the really the gloss, the supplemental benefits, uh, you know, the frosting, the icing on the cake that uh, broadband can bring to increase opportunities for education, to increase opportunities for telework and, and, and collaboration via Zoom and, and, and virtual work. Uh, and I think where we're not going to see, I think the pendulum on telehealth, by the way, is not going to, that's going to be really far away from where we're. I think we're going to see a lot of increased usage of telemedicine. So what this R3 approach did of revive, rebuild, and restore, it brought all this wisdom in from Silicon Valley, and it took a look at everything that's going on in, in central Iowa, and it asks, well, why not Jefferson? Why can't this occur here? And I think what spoke to us so much about this R3 initiative, that question of why not, that rhetorical question of why not Jefferson, that's precisely the question that we asked at the beginning of the Smart Rural Community Program. Mm -hmm. We heard so much about smart cities. Why not smart rural community? And that's what it is. That, that it's telling us that you can be 50 or 100 miles out of the city center. You can be in an area where the population is not thousands of people per city square block of apartment buildings and you know houses stacked every 50 feet. Uh, you can be in an area where there's only five or 10 people per square mile, and yet you can avail yourself of educational opportunities and economic opportunities and healthcare via broadband in a way that enables that you really have a comparable opportunity and, and experience uh, to being in the more densely populated urban area. So to recap our 2021 Smart Rural Community Showcase winners were Hill Country Telephone Cooperative, Mountain Rural Telephone Cooperative, Lightstream, and Jefferson Telecom, all doing a, a great job of building those networks out there and also building a network of collaboration in uh, inside their communities. So, Josh, as we look to uh, the future, tell us what's next for the Smart Rural Community Program. Well, we've got a couple of things we're going to focus on this year. Uh, we're going to take a deep dive into ag tech. Uh, you know, we've done some studies on job markets and education and training and telehealth and broadband adoption over the last few years. And we're going to take a, take a deep dive into ag tech this year. Uh, we're also going to take a look at 
what broadband means specifically in tribal regions of our nation. Uh, we do a lot of work with NTCA. We've got a number of companies that are either tribally owned or serve tribal lands, and we're going to take a look at, you know, within this lens of smart rural community, uh, how can we bring these philosophies and, and work to develop what we're going to call a smart tribal community and make sure that we've got uh, in all these rural and insular areas throughout the United States, how we can elevate and bring forward the best practices that are exemplified by our smart rural community providers. Oh, that's that's exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing that unfold. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about the uh, Smart Rural Community Program. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to meet with you again. And our special guest today on Rural Broadband Today has been Josh Seideman, the VP of Policy for NTCA, the Rural Broadband Association. And this wraps up our four-part series covering NTCA's annual meeting and expo, Our Time. This special Our Time coverage is sponsored by Corning, helping connect rural America with reliable broadband. Visit www.corning.com FTTH. To hear more episodes in this series, visit ruralbroadbandtoday.com. This is a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Access to the on-demand library for Our Time Online is now available at the NTCA website at ntca.org slash rtime. Members can register for access to the on-demand content for $5.99 and non-members for $7.99. And with that, you receive access to the on-demand library, discussion boards in Networking Central, information from exhibitors and the Solutions Exchange, and the attendee-to-attendee text and video chat through the end of May.